As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. On today's episode of Android's Dungeon, JJB, JR, in studio. New games. Are they remasters? Are they remakes? What's the news, Sonny Jim? Kickstarter changes. And other stuff. Stay tuned. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting out of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario, Canada. Listening to us either through the, um, I'm going to say the car, because I don't think anyone in the world comes home and turns on their radio and listens to CFRU in their house, but I could be wrong. You're on the way to the cottage. On the way to the (laughs) cottage. Joel, it's Thursday. Gotta get a jump on the traffic, Jack. <laughs> yeah. It's it's also July 4th when you're listening to this. The most patriotic of days on earth, I think. Uh, is it Independence Day? Independence Day. Okay. I can't remember. USA. 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 I've got nothing related to that, though. I can't I can't come up with, like, the most patriotic games uh, list. Oh, most American games? I would say... What games are about freedom? Well, there is a coin game. I think the very first coin game was uh, set during the U.S. Uh, battle for independence. Mm. And I don't know the factions. Obviously, you have the U.S. and you have the, the Brits. And the I have French. no idea. Who, maybe the French. The French. Actually, that's probably who is one of them. And I don't, Who's the fourth, though? <laughs> the, the natives? Would they be like the... Oh, that'd be nice. I have no idea, but... Um, you can win as the natives. <laughs> alternate history. Yeah, I know. What would your like not losing would be? Yeah, whatever. Uh, anyway, Android's Dungeon show about games, music, movies, whatever we feel like as we walk into the studio or whatever we're thinking about. You can check us out online at uh, through your favorite podcast websites. Um, I'm always shocked when I look through the various podcast sites. I think Pocket Casts. Pocket Cast, Overcast. Overcast? Is Overcast that actually a thing? thing? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were just making a joke about um, uh, What is it? Rebel Radio, something like that. What a goofy name for it. Yeah, whatever. Uh, check us on Twitter, 80 Radio CFRU, and email us at androidsdungeon at cfru.ca or Instagram, androidsdungeoncfru. That's the list of things. Joel, what have you been playing recently? I got a chance to play Castles of Burgundy. Okay, this is one you've had sitting on the shelf for a while, right? Yeah. This okay. is one of my this is part of my project to get yeah. out all the games that I haven't played and play them at least once. And this is also part of your Aaliyah. Um, yeah, it's part of my too. Aaliyah series and it's also kind of the reason why I played it was I had my eye on um Carpe Diem. Um, Steffenfeld's latest title. Did we tell a story on the air? I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know. For a little while. And then I go into J&J's and he tells me it's a worse <laughs> version of Castles of Burgundy. J&J himself. <laughs> I didn't tell him, but I have it. <laughs> I already had Castles of Burgundy on my shop. So I just cost yourself right, a well, sale. Maybe I should play the better one. Yeah. At so, least it was honest. You know, that's it's nice. Yeah. Yeah, so Castles of Burgundy. I don't remember where I got it. I think it was a birthday present. 
or a wedding gift. No, it wasn't a wedding gift. Must have been a birthday cool. present. Do you think John got it for you? No, he got Did you he? those off-brand uh, games. <laughs> I mean, high quality, <laughs> very expensive. Thank you, John. Yeah. The um, um, but Castles of Burgundy is a well-known game, I think. Do you have it? Yeah, it used to be super high up on the uh, BGG hotness list or like of their games of all time. It may have been number one for a little bit or yeah. at least like top ten. Yeah, it's a ranking game for sure. It's, uh, I don't want to say too much. What what did you describe what you do? Uh, Castles of Burgundy is a Getsy's Pointsies. Uh, basically, you're doing two things in the game and variants of it. And that is either taking a tile from a pool of tiles or placing that tile from your reserve onto your board. And basically the way you do that is you roll two dice and the dice results are your workers in a sense. And so you can spend one die to pull a pull a thing and then another die to place a thing or you can do both of one of the, either of those things. And then there's a couple additional things like selling goods and uh, using um, little silverlings to take extra tiles. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much it. Reminds me a lot of... um, Because a lot of games, I think... Because that's what usually happens when a game explodes or is so popular for a while that it becomes played by so many people and kind of seeps into their consciousness or people attempt to fix it or they try to do things they dis... They try to do, do change it around to stuff that they didn't like as much and make it into stuff they do. And I think there's been so many games afterward that you can point to and say, oh, this is very mm. Castles of Burgundy-esque. I kinda, and yeah, I kind of got like little flavors of a lot of other... For some reason, I kept thinking about Keyflower. Interesting. They're very different games. Yeah. I, I, know, I think I know why you're saying that, the though. The, the one that I know that comes to mind immediately for me is Subdivision, which is like the mm. kind of the quicker dice-based version of um, Suburbia. And it's all about, you know, building this town. You're putting down different colored hexes and you're trying different things you build give you different points. And you don't want to do or you need to branch out a bit because the dice are fickle. So you can't just expect to have one thing going the whole time. But... I don't know. It's been a long time since I played Burgundy because I, I don't think it really hit with me very well as soon as I played it. But that's what were your thoughts on it? Well, I liked it. Um, yeah, it's kind of a. Okay, let's let's just put it this way. <laughs> Here we go. You've got tokens, right? Usually in a game, you've got a token where if you make it all the way around the track, you get to put this token out. And yes, I've got 50 points. Right. And now I'm starting again. Sometimes that'll even tell you 100 points. Yeah. In Castles of Burgundy, that token starts at 100 points when you bring it out, and then you flip it, and then you get 200 points. Yeah. So the points in this game are insane, first yeah. of all. And then it's just a matter of, um, it's, it's, it's not an engine builder in any sense of the word, except you can kind of compound victory points with yeah. animals. Um, but basically, it's a race against time to fill in uh, sections of your board, and then when a section of your board is filled in, you get this times this or this plus this in points. Mm-hmm. And then you just throw down your points and you move along. Yeah. Very point salad That's the... Yeah. But I don't exactly. think... I'm not sure if Feld has made a game... I think point salad though, because there's a lot of those tokens that don't give you any points. Mm. But I think... It, I guess it gets into how, we, how are we going to define point salad then? Because mm. right, by the, right by the get-go, you're talking about the amount of points you're getting is ridiculous versus some of these other games where it's like, boy, I got 30 points. That was a tough game. I really <laughs> yeah. did my best on Agricola, this one. where you're going to start a 17 or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's I think for me, the big thing that I took away from it that maybe stopped me from getting back into it was I hated how the game looked. 
It, mm. It's I found the color scheme awful. Tiny chits. Tiny chits. Hard to organize. Hard to organize. Thin. Yeah. Right away, it felt cheap. The player boards the, are I hate, flimsy. They're, hate. they're one step up from a piece of paper. It's, it doesn't... <laughs> um, uh, what's it called? Uh, the Port, Puerto Rico have similarly flimsy player boards as well. Mm, they're not as bad. They're not as they bad. They actually have... Like, you can pick it up and put it down, and it stays flat. Oh, okay. These ones, you pick it up, it's bending 90 degrees. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, that, they're absolutely terrible. Thing. And I think what killed me was that... Because uh, it's not a cheap game, too. If mm. you were to buy it full price, if you're paying forty plus dollars minimum, maybe more for it. Yeah. And I think I was just extremely disappointed with the quality of the game. And then I had been hearing about Castles of Burgundy for so long from all these people saying, Yeah, Castle Burgundy, Castle Burgundy. Finally mm. pick it up and I put it down and I play it and go, hmm. Huh. Not but, sure about that. Like how long ago do you think you played? Three years. Years, yeah. I just, I don't know. It just kind of feels a little bit like if I'm playing DC or Star Realms, it feels like a Dominion, you know? It feels like one of those godfathers of whatever it is, because mm. I don't, I'm not really sure what the genre we're talking about is. I can pull it up in a second. We'll see what uh, the geek says. <laughs> Jamie, can you figure out what, uh... um, but I, I think it's definitely worth a play. I think, oh yeah, I'll play it again. A few more times, but it's definitely mm-hmm. not like, oh my god, this is blowing me away. So it's the fourteenth game of all time according 14th. to board game, <laughs> and it's sitting at an eight point <laughs> one. Eight point one. Yeah. Uh, Which... Designers: uh, Stefan Feld, artist Julian Deval, and Harold <laughs> Harold Lisk. Lisk. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. <clears throat> Stefan Feld is an accomplished designer, right? He's Bring up Stefan Feld's games, list a couple of them off. Jamie, what's uh, what's Stefan Feld done recently? Well, wow. <laughs> oh man, he's an odd looking guy. Kind of very French looking. Uh, Roma, Roman Pirates, Year of the Dragon, Notre Dame, Name of the Rose, Roma 2, Pillars of the Earth, Duel, Macau, Luna, uh, really Strasbourg, Trajan, Bora Bora. Bruges, Amerigo, La, La Isla, Aquasphere, <laughs> Castle Burgundy card game, Jorvik, Oracle Delphi, or, or Castle Burgundy dice game, Merlin, Forum Trajanum, Carpe Diem, Revolution 1828. So that's a, the Revolution is going to be the one from this year. But Look at that. Bora Bora. These are notable games, by the and way. And Strasbourg. <laughs> yeah. Are two of the game, other games I haven't played yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's also, it wasn't one of them. Um, wait, do you have Strasbourg? Yeah. Is that a three minimum, though? Is yeah. that why it's a... Uh, yeah. so we tried to play, and then we realized we Whoops. couldn't. <laughs> yeah. Even though it was sort of working, wasn't it? Because you have to know a third person, and nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> I only have one friend. So the geek has this under dice rolling, set collection, tile placement, um, and dice medieval territorial... Or yeah. Territory building. So. Well, I like, I like it's dice rolling, but it's not, because it's, it's a resource management game mm-hmm. where the dice are your resources... And you're given these workers, and the workers aren't the workers that you think in worker placement, but yeah. what they do is they change your dice. Mm-hmm. So you can uh, spend dice to gain workers, and then you can use those workers to, I have a five, but I really want a two. So you spend uh, two workers to change the number by two. <laughs> so I'm just uh, seeing some recent reviews by people, one of which is watching the paint dry <laughs> and like being tossed into the ocean in a straitjacket. <laughs> And I don't know what the second one means, but I know what the first one means. Well, I can definitely get a hint of that because it's kind of like it's mind-blowing, the amount of options. Yeah. Because this is this reminded me of uh, Puerto Rico or mm-hmm. or um, what's the remix to it? <laughs> uh, San Juan. San Juan, where 
the game itself, the function of the game itself is insanely simple, right? Take yeah. tile, place tile. And then the complexity comes in that there are 80 different <laughs> buildings. And yeah, yeah. There's, 80, like, there's honestly like at least 40 different types of buildings and resources. And you have to know what each one does. Mm-hmm. And that's one of these issues with, I, I think we've mentioned this before on the show, but there's a, there's a line to be drawn with certain games of that, like Twilight Struggle is infamous for something like this, or these coin games or these GMT games where it's like, playing the first one, time, just accept that there, it's going to seem crazy. You're not going to see what's coming up. Just, you know, have fun. Try to do your best. Yeah. Where do you draw the line, though, with some of these things? Like cyclades, I've always said that the monster deck is something. If you don't know what's coming up, you're going to get crushed by someone who does because they can anticipate these things and know what to do and what to plan around Uh, versus something like, let's say, San Juan, where you're talking about these 80 buildings. or Did you say 40 or 80? I would say at least 40 different types of things. 40 different types of buildings. the book is just page, page, page. Like this is what this bonus – like there's two pages of bonuses. Mm -hmm. There's two pages of buildings. So obviously, and that's obviously someone who knows the game better is typically going to win that game because they they know when where the where to go left when that person's going right and whatnot. Yeah. So, but what what's obtuse versus um, like I'm trying to think of a nice way to put this uh, obtuse versus uh, playably opaque and that things can reveal themselves uh, when you're playing the game. But it's like you need to find this line where it's like. If if it's if it's immediately accessible right away, maybe you're playing. It, it'll only be an abstract, and then what? Like chess, all the pieces are right there. You know exactly what they're doing, and and that's the game. Versus uh, something else where it's like cards are flipped and the game state changes and this randomness of it all, and you've got dice to worry about. I don't know. I'm kind of rambling here, but the, <laughs> I guess the main issues with Castle Burgundy as well is that you're like you're saying it's just so overwhelming right off the bat like you're dumped down it's like oh maybe this will work maybe it won't maybe it's even with the genre like you see like they're saying it's like a dice tossing this and that it's hard to pin it down yeah there are a lot simpler games that focus on one thing well mm. and maybe castles burgundy tried to bite off too much but obviously they're doing okay at fourth 14th place and uh in the ratings overall i'm just going to read this guy's review okay uh <clears throat> this is randatola uh, aka big buddha on board game geek uh has a lovely lion as his avatar <laughs> he's a very handsome boy Although there are exceptions, Euro games tend to fall into two categories for me. One's designed by Rainer Knizia and one's that I don't want to play. <laughs> My tastes cut against the grain of Board Game Geek, and Castles of Burgundy is a perfect example of that. At this writing, it is ranked 13th. According to the aggregated opinion of the geeks, only 12 games in the whole world are better than this one. <laughs> I beg to differ. As the old saying goes, there is no accounting for taste. Burgundy fans of bgg my wife is on your side she has forced me to play this game 26 times okay maybe not forced coerced tricked bamboozled (laughs) or maybe i should just say fooled because i must be a fool for continuing to play this game knowing i will hate it every single time but my wife is very tricky she goes and does things like play games she doesn't really like until i feel guilty for foisting the likes of othello devon and kalami on her all the time, all abstracts, uh, games. Yeah. Interesting. So I end up playing Castle of Burgundy and thoroughly hating the experience. So there's a, there's a lot more to this here, but uh, this guy has written a very big 
uh, right up on this one. He's not a fan. In conclusion, if you like games with insanely complicated decision trees, Castles of Burgundy is the one for you. Yeah. If you want a game that simulates getting tossed in the ocean in a straitjacket, give Castles of Burgundy a try. I would sell you my copy if I could, but then I would have to contend with my wife. How could you eyes? <laughs> my wife's... Uh... Anyway, there you go. That's just a taste. But this is a very recent review, and I think this yeah. is a case of people maybe either like this guy's played it so many times so he yeah. can definitely kind of weigh in or maybe more recent people looking at the geek and saying what's a hot look at this list of hotness i'm gonna pick this up and try and go what year is this i don't know yeah and it's it's true it's just there's you're weighted down with um <clears throat> six six viable options every turn and you you don't know what the right one is <laughs> there's no way to know <laughs> yeah there's no waitress strategy. <laughs> waitress, just keep going. I feel like every game needs a good waitress strategy. You know, it's just that do the simple thing that will get you two thirds of the way to victory, and uh, and if somebody does really well, <clears throat> I, I would say it's also here's another waitress strategy. This the money strategy in in Dominion. Well, that's like that's the baseline. If you exactly. can't beat big money, you, take the it's baseline, do that well. Yeah. And you'll probably beat everybody but one person who knows what they're doing. <laughs> the other person. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Anyway, Castles of Burgundy, you'd play it again. You already said that. Yep. Uh, are you rushing to play it again? That's my better, uh, the next question. Well, I liked his statement about there's only 12 games in the world better than this game because then I started <laughs> thinking, and I, was like, I think I own 20 games that I'd rather play than Castle Burgundy. <laughs> that's it. Like, I feel the exact same way. It's like, I'm not setting it on fire. I'm not throwing it away. It's just... If it comes down to it, it's like it's not gonna Castles be of Burgundy or <laughs> Concordia or anything um, else. Other things. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, anything else you've played recently? Uh, yeah, I wanted to mention that I I cleaned up. I finished Risk Legacy, and I've oh. made a decision. I think I'm done with Risk <laughs> forever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's really a hot take at this point. No, I think that's. I don't think it. anybody's gonna say. Damn it, damn it, Joel, it's a classic. <laughs> you need to keep playing Risk. That's a fairly mainstream take. Although there are quite a few people who will be like, hey, you want to play a game of Risk? Who? Well, I want names, Chris, Joel. Chris, for example. Because <laughs> he wants Chris to play Risk Legacy? Risk. Stefan loves Risk. Do they? They do, yeah. Ask them. Do they? And it's just like, why? <laughs> um, Mark's buddies that lived with him on Paisley Street. They're like, oh, I remember Risk. this. That's insane. But we I guess it's for, so simple. We, so. we played a game for three hours, a game of risk for three hours, no, and no, no one was ahead. There was it's literally everyone was still in the game, and everyone still had an even chance of winning it. I'm furious. It was just this, absolutely furious. Armies just clashing and big victories, big losses, and that's the risk is just so bad. Like the functionality of combat is stupid as hell. <laughs> it's risk. Speaking of games that you can go back to and think like, my God, this has been just defeated so many times in so many better ways. Playing Risk, okay, Risk Legacy. At least like we've both accomplished 15 minutes, yeah. and you can be done a game. Sometimes, sometimes it can drag out if like things are not coming up the way they should. But usually it's a quick game. Yeah. Base Risk. If you're playing. I don't know, like four people or five people. I think the game is just going to go on and on and mm -hmm. on. And then you think about what could I have done with this time as far as games go that would have uh, captured what people were looking for in a much better <laughs> package, tidier and more fun. Yeah. And to be honest, I'm kind of struggling off the top of my head because Risk is it, it, it's simple. How about Diplomacy? Diplomacy? 
Maybe. How about uh, Rokugan? Battle for Rokugan. I don't think it's as simple. Because you're as simple, yeah, I guess. Because at the end of the day, that's what I'm saying. Like the dice chucking, just the simple. So diplomacy is probably the closest it comes to that in the sense of move here. Do yeah. you take territory? Yes, no, and move on from there. I hear you. So I, I don't know. It's, it, but Risk is just not a good game, as if it has yeah. to be said. So I'm, I'm saying it here on Android's Dungeon. <laughs> Hot I'm take. retiring Risk from my so game So speak collection. to, we, we jump past it, speak to Risk Legacy. Give it a brief rundown of what it is in case people aren't aware of it. And then your final thoughts since you've actually finished yours. Oh, yeah. So Risk Legacy is, uh, is an interesting take on Risk. It's basically mission-based. So you start with a star and you're trying to get four stars, basically. And each person has a starting territory <clears throat> it's got a headquarters if you take that headquarters you get a star so it's quite easy to collect two people's headquarters if they're not defending it properly and and just end the game and we had a game which uh, it happened 15 minutes in just because of uh, some circumstances and that's fine and then each game obviously the winner gets to change the map in some way just like pandemic legacy or one of these other legacy same games. same designer by the way yeah uh, for example, founding a city or naming a continent or uh, uh, creating a passageway across the water or something. Or like, don't can't you ruin a territory too that like you can never use this one again or <laughs> yeah, it's like nuclear wasteland or something? Yeah. Which like an army dies there every turn. Or yeah, something. it's uh, radioactive. And uh, there's also obviously a lot of spoilers that I won't go into, but mm-hmm. the game changes drastically uh, from beginning to end. Uh, one of the things that Really, I don't care, but if I was playing the game for real, I would have been pretty upset. Um, There are two circumstances to open big boxes and reveal uh, whole new races and other things. Uh, One of those, and in my game, those boxes were accidentally swapped. So when I created the result, the critical uh, mass, which was like place 30 armies at once and also have... Place 30 armies at once? In yeah. like in one go. Yeah, so like Woo. usually playing cards for reinforcements. Yeah, 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 right? absolutely. Uh, so I deliberately got a game there. I was like trying not, gotta, to, not to get a guy to win just yeah. to, and, uh, and I, and have a missile. So then you pull this thing out and something happens. Really yeah. significant chain, game changing event. Okay. And it was the other one, the one where three missiles are used in a single roll. You're, so you're 100% the boxes were switched. Yeah, yeah, because the, you can read it and it says, okay, the person that placed the third missile does this. And this wasn't user error. No, this was the box. Wow, that's a big one. <laughs> that, in a legacy game where opening everything is kind of a significant step and it's something everyone kind of works towards and is... Can you imagine Pandemic Legacy if they'd done a switcher like that? Right, like, that would have yeah. been huge. And it was obviously just a flaw in the box, right? Yep. It's, they've got thousands of these and somebody messed up in the factories. Mm-hmm. Not a big deal for me, but if I was in a big group of people who were playing through this game and had finally achieved this very difficult to achieve thing, I would have been pretty upset. No kidding. <laughs> I'm feeling angry just thinking about it, to be honest, but uh, I don't know. Would you recommend uh, Risk Legacy? No. Play, Whoa, play Pandemic here we go. Legacy. Fascinating. Season one and two. Not even on sale? Uh, yeah, if you want to, but I, I just don't think it's any good. Hmm. I was rolling, you know, the dice just constantly, and it was just like, man, this is not a, this is not fun. This yeah. is not an interesting game. Well, it kind of goes back to the whole thing we were talking about before. It's like, for me, what, how much time did I spend on this? What am I getting out of this? What could I, what, 
many other options could we have done that would have done a far better job of trying to capture this experience? Yeah, for sure. I kept the pieces. I thought, uh, so I put the pieces in a bag. Of course, yeah. So now I can use them as figurines for D&D or something. Oh, that's a good idea. And then uh, tiny. I recycled the game. Really? Yeah. Wow, you didn't even keep the board. No. Oh, I kept the board. Oh, okay. Because I wanted to uh, split up the territories and try a little modern sieve. Nice. That's uh, cool. Test map. And the and the board itself is cool. You could just cut it's like just map. some nice. Um, I was gonna say the cardboard for anyway. <laughs> anyway, just started recycling stuff there. But yeah, good idea. Nice with the pieces and keeping yeah. that stuff. All right. Some closure for its legacy. I, I'm not you? even close to finishing mine. So. What have you been uh, playing lately? Board games have been minimal. Uh, I did get to play a new game. at uh, So I've, I forgot that I've had a game in my bag for a long time. And this was a Kickstarter game that was originally out, but then they kickstarted the second edition or the next uh, print run of it. Mm-hmm. And it's called Mint Delivery. And its whole aim is to be a pocket-sized game to bring with you wherever you go that Mm -hmm. is actually half-decent. Because some of these games, it's like, take it anywhere. They're like, hmm, this game stinks. Why do I want to take it anywhere? Reminds me of those thousand games in one. The little electronic ones, just like (laughs) 200 variants of War or Caterpillars. Oh, God. (laughs) Anyway, this, uh, so the theme of the game is the pick up and deliver. And you get this adorable little tin that is designed to look like an Altoids tin, except a slightly different shape, just to accommodate all the components. But it's mostly card-based. And you uh, lay out these cards in a 3 by 3 grid in a specific order that represents the city. And there are different routes, and they're different places, and they're multicolored. And you pick a color of a truck, and the truck can hold four mints. And then each of these cities in the corners of the map... Uh, have the opportunity to pick up contracts. So you got to drive your truck there, pick up a contract, and you need to get the right mints to fulfill that contract, which means driving to another city and getting these mints and turning them into other mints. And there are three different colors. There's white, which is just the regular mint, and then there's green, which is sugar-free, and there's red, which is spicy cinnamon mint. Mm. And That's the one I'd go for. I really don't like cinnamon mints. Oh. Sometimes they're too spicy, <laughs> which is funny because I don't mind spicy stuff, but there was some of some of these, it's like, did somebody coat this in uh, ghost peppers what or what? Cinnamon hearts for Valentine's Day. No, I hate them. Yeah. <laughs> I really despise them. <laughs> I could put them in a riot gun or something. Anyway, so the game itself, two actions, very basic stuff, exactly what you think. And uh, I played a two-player at the cottage and I had a nice little fun time with it. It's not going to knock your socks off in terms of the depth so to it. It's a pick up and deliver? Pick up and deliver. Do you get X actions? You get two actions a turn. Hmm. You can move, you can do them, uh, you can move, fulfill contract, get a contract, change mint into other mint based on mm-hmm. where you are. Uh, and that's where the, the meat and potatoes of the game comes from is you can you can only perform certain actions in certain cities. And that's it. It's all about planning out your time and which contracts will fill and trying to optimize your route. And there are variants included in it. It plays up to five. And the components are actually quite nice. So you have the cards in which the main things are happening, but you also have these little actual, they look like mints, little Mm, wooden discs of different colors. And your trucks are wooden. And um, there are chits for you. There's a a variant that has special powers you can get. There's a variant where you put random... Uh, either obstacles or benefits. It's up to you on the map. So sometimes you may block off this road completely. Sometimes you may slow it down where it's like a traffic jam. So you can't, it takes you two turns to get through this way. Mm. So I think with a bit of variations and the, the special powers and things, you could really have a, you can add the depth that you want or you can strip it away. But it's all module, which or modular, which is nice. So in general, uh, 
the experience was exactly what I was looking for uh, in a little card game that you could set up probably anywhere. I We did it over a deck, over some uh, kind of grilled wooden uh, footstool thing. And the entire time I was just like keeping an eye out for the breeze. Uh, and yeah. just like, and one time one of the mints did fall down and I thought that's it we've already lost a mint on the first try but no it landed just just safe place so we didn't lose anything but Whew. I would there are some little pieces so don't don't play on a deck that's my advice what's the runtime how long did it take for us I'd say half an hour in our first game Not if bad. half an hour very quick but did you how many games did you play just one that's all it was a morning thing just in between people doing stuff after breakfast having a coffee and nice. uh, that was it, overlooking the, overlooking the tiny pond slash lake. So that was the, the new game, board game at least, that we nice. played, Mint Delivery. And there's a second one that came with it. I can't remember, but it's in the collection somewhere. Nothing, uh, else, consi- nothing else considered. What would you rather play? <laughs> Mint Delivery or Welcome To? Uh, nothing else considered. Um, probably Welcome To. But they're they're different enough that it's like yeah. if I'm craving one, I'm not craving the other, and vice versa. So I, to be honest, because a dedicated listener of the show will know that I've moved and things are a little hectic, and I can't even get at most of the games. So I, to be honest, I forgot Welcome to even existed because yeah. I, to be honest, I would have brought it. I've been I, thinking about buying it. Yeah. I th- just there's there's so simple just bring with you or and you can even do your variant where you laminate uh, a couple of them if you're really upset oh, yeah. about losing those. So. It's it. They're great games. I really like them. So, good games. Good games. And the I guess the last thing I'll say is that um, the so in the evening before I go to bed is typically when I get like an hour maybe to sit on a computer or something. And a newish game came out um, that is exclusive to the Epic Game Store in quotation marks because you can get it in other ways. <laughs> and it's called The Sinking City. Or a sunken city. I can't remember exactly, but something along those lines. And it's a latest attempt at a Lovecraft-inspired computer game. And a lot of these Lovecraft games and stories, if you're familiar with the writer, um, most people usually just go for the surface stuff because that's the thing everyone knows and everyone expects. Um, But you're usually playing some sort of writer or investigator going to a weird place and trying to solve a mystery, but usually gets bogged down in action sequences. And there's no, you're not really solving a mystery as much as you're going through the game and things just, you know, happen. The mystery is happening. The mystery is just happening. You're not solving anything. (laughs) If anything, you solve things with a shotgun, which is like, eh. Um, The premise of this one is you play an ex-sailor who's now a private investigator who is trying to solve source of missing people and these weird visions and he ends up in this town called I think Oakmont or Oak Ridge and uh, it's I believe you're in the States but the whole thing about this city is that it's there have been weird floods that have uh, changed the uh, the city completely and there are spots that are completely sunken there are spots that were closed off because of infestations of strange creatures and all these missing people. But the neat part is that so far, and I've only maybe put in like two hours into this over like two weeks, is that, or the week and a half or whatever, is that there's actually investigating to do, which is interesting mm. because, so you have a police station and you have a news, or the uh, local paper, and there might be other places I haven't been to yet. And 
you have this thing when you open up your menu, your player menu, you have this thing. They call the Mind Palace, which is a weird name for it. Maybe it's inspired by something. Um, but when you're actively solving a mystery, you're looking up clues, and you have to go into this and make connections in there to, like, put this and this together, and that'll form, like, a conclusion of sorts. But what's cool is that depending on what you do, so there's obviously wrong conclusions that will just, like, er, no, that doesn't make any sense. But there are different ways to come to it, and you may end up with a different uh, conclusion mm. depending on how you've built it based on what you've – you your interpretation of it was, and it will affect the game in certain ways. So it can be in some ways correct? Yeah, so it can be correct, but you're – so it's like somebody was murdered, but your interpretation of it could be different based on the way you've put things together. So you, you've solved the case, but did you solve it correctly? I don't know. It's, it's open to interpretation, I guess, because you're the only person doing it. But going back to the newspaper and the police station is that then there are cases that you'll be investigating because it's an open world, which is another interesting thing. So you run around the city and there's these mysteries that have popped up hmm. and you can try to piece together the story. So you can be going there and let's say it's like you're going to the library and you're looking through or the you're going to the newspaper and you're looking through old issues and you're trying to think, OK, well, apparently there's this ghost of this old lady that's haunting this section of town here. So I'm going to search for the section of the town. OK, and I'm going to see were there any uh, like unsolved mist or unsolved murders in this section and going to look here. So you're trying to cross reference all these different things mm. and actually solve a mystery as if you're like investigating, which is refreshing as opposed to. Kind of like, let's say The Witcher, for example. Do you solve mysteries in The Witcher, or do you just kind of you, you walk in the direction? Listen to Geralt talk, <laughs> and he talks, and you you find. Although, like, there is some click all the highlighted red spots exactly to find out what happened. And if you you can miss some of the spots, can't you? And that'll affect maybe the way you the because for me the and maybe it was just the way um, the way I was taught. Going through the conversation stuff, but the Bloody Baron, for example, I had a very sad ending to it versus mm. some other ones, and I couldn't figure out what I did differently than there you. There are, yeah, significant changes to what happens to the Baron and his uh, child. And his child. So, and anyway, just like. It, and his wife. And his wife. So, there's a couple of, I guess, like, there's a difference between maybe, like, when you how you end a quest it's kind of like do you spare this person or let them live like that's that's not investigating it's just like a, a choice let's say versus right. you don't even get the option to spare this person because you didn't dig up the fact that oh they're not responsible for the crime because you didn't look into the real culprit and it's just like yeah obviously they did it they're done or chop off their head so yeah. i don't know sunken city sinking city give it a shot if you're interested in lovecraft games although like i said only on the epic store in quotation marks uh, which is a weird choice, and I think, frankly, unless they port it, it's going to die there, too, mm. like some of these other games. doesn't really seem like the Epic Store type. Mm. I don't know. I think they're just desperate. It's too small. It, it's, it's a nice-looking game. I'll give it that. So, But anyway, we'll take a music break. We'll be back in a second. Stay tuned.
This is the DJ3000. It plays CDs automatically, and it has three distinct varieties of inane chatter. Hey, hey, how about that weather out there? Whoa, that was the caller from hell. Well, hot dog, we have a wiener. Man, that thing's great. Don't praise the machine. If you don't get that kid an elephant by tomorrow, the DJ3000 gets your job. <clears throat> Looks like those clowns in Congress did it again. What a bunch of clowns. <laughs> How's he keep up with the news like that? Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was Infection by Meteor from the album Voyage Into Fear. 2018, which I think is one of these, <clears throat> I don't know if it's a real soundtrack or it was just in sp like a fake movie soundtrack that uh, somebody cooked up, but some interesting stuff, some fun stuff. Joel, um, what is in the news? The news, man, as you know, and uh, everybody's talking about it. I mean, you can't <laughs> walk down the street without hearing about Gen Con coming up. Are you excited? Oh, yes. You pumped? Mm-hmm. It's actually uh, less than a month away now. Getting close. So at the end of this month, uh, your trusty co-host will be reporter on scene, Gen Con Live 2019. <laughs> Live in quotation And the biggest news that everybody's talking about once again, the biggest news of Gen Con... 999 games <laughs> releasing Western Empires, the left half <laughs> of Mega Civilization. Joel, tell us about the left half of Western Empires. Well, well, I guess just left half of uh, Empires. Well, what everybody wanted was more Mega Civilization, exactly the same as it was before, yeah. and they've delivered. I didn't really... Because, Joel, we're not crazy. Before, they were advertising some changes. Big changes big to changes. the components. They said, stay tuned. <laughs> I I need, I got to know. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there's a saga here that we're, we've been talking about, but we haven't really brought it into the show, which yeah. is we've been insanely disappointed <laughs> by 999 Games. Yeah. Because um, they promised us the, the the moon, and then the yep. information that they've released now has been basically what they've done. They've <clears> even <throat> out and said, if you own Mega Civilization, there's no need to buy this game. It's explicit. Is it in the actual? Yeah. <laughs> so it's basically, okay, well, we had some copyright issues with Mega Civilization, which... If you guys don't know, we <clears throat> like that game. We play that game a lot. Yep. It's a full day game, and it's worth every minute that we play. It's mm -hmm. a great time. But it's no longer available, and that's because I'm going to assume that Francis Tresham and the people behind Civilization gave them a little uh, letter in the mail. Well, it's because they had a license, limited copyright for yep. it. And then, obviously, you can't keep that going indefinitely, especially a name like Civilization. The fact that you even got Megasiv out, I think, is... the name. I have no idea how you did this, but... But it's an exact copy of the other game, and apparently that's not an issue. No, you can't copyright mechanics. Yeah. Or, you know, pictures, because, like, even, even the it's art... their pictures, ...is yeah. exactly the same. 
and <clears throat> the names of the text and the descriptions of the text. I imagine the manual word will be slightly word. changed. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Western Empires is basically their solution to the to the fact that they can't make the game anymore. So Western Empires is the map from Mega Civilization cut in half, which to be fair, most of the time you can't really get more than nine players. You're not playing the 18-player game that mm-hmm. is Mega Civ. Mm-hmm. So Western Empire is a slightly more affordable version of Mega Civilization with only the Western map capping out. But, you know, we've, we've been having bad news for so long, and finally today we got a little oh, <laughs> bit of sunshine Was it? in that uh, the cover art's kind of nice and also has some tasteful breasts. <laughs> it's There's tasteful nudity on the cover of the game, which is like... Only the Europeans could get away with this, and it, only Europeans... On a board game cover. On a board game cover, and only guys selling directly from the Netherlands can <laughs> do this. Although, I wonder if we'll see retailers, like, I, I bet it won't be shocking to see someone like Board Game Bliss or some of these other companies import in a copy to sell, or a certain amount of them. I hope so, which is, uh, speaking of series as a repeat after repeat of bad news... What Jack is alluding to is that they're saying that they're only going to sell online. Mm-hmm. Which is a strange decision to me, and it doesn't quite make a lot of sense because the shipping... Somebody was breaking down online. I saw two different ones, one of which was extremely conservative and said, based after exchange and tax and imports and all these things, I think it was somewhere around $175 Canadian to be bringing this in. To ship? To just everything. For it to oh, for okay. buying the game and having it brought in, so a fair, a decent amount of cash. The game's already going to be expensive, though, so yeah. it's not insane. The price is posted at a hundred euros. Hundred euros, and then on the other side, maybe you could get away with one hundred fifty bucks for it, which would break it down to about, like they said, exactly half of Mega Civ, which retailed for about three hundred dollars, three fifty, depending yeah. on who you where you looked at it. So, I, I just think it's when you've got this company that's obviously small. Uh, but they've got all their assets. The, everything is done, as mm-hmm. far as I can tell. Printing is the the, th- the like the actual and production. They didn't change the components. The so components are unchanged, as far as I know, out. because they explicitly said you don't need to get it unless there's a switcher at the end, or maybe this is another poor like something lost in translation. Where it's like, no, we changed this, we did this, and then it'll be like, okay, there's an actual reason. But the I have color a color f- slightly brighter. Yeah, maybe. But I have a feeling. But here's the thing: they said that you could play. Megasiv and this game interchangeably. In what sense? Like you could mix them up? Yeah, like if you had Megasiv and you're missing some pieces or something, Western Empires fits perfectly into that. You can play, you can use both. Interesting. Which means that there's no changes, right? Yeah, so I guess what I'm getting at is that it seems stingy to me. You could, it sounds like you don't have a giant wooden box that you're shipping this in. You're cutting out the distributor, which is, so you're passing costs onto the customer in the sense, in that sense. And you're making all the profit because there's no middleman anymore. You're Mm -hmm. the one, you're the one sending this out. So to sell it at this price and make it annoying to get, I think is slightly chintzy. And, and especially for fans of the genre, because Civ games are, there, there are a bunch out there, but there aren't many good ones. And this is what is, I don't know. Do you think you'll pick it up, Joel? Well, this is the thing. is The biggest disappointment for me is that I decided to go to Gen Con this year because... This was a big thing. 999 Games said that they would be at Gen Con with the game. And usually that means they're selling the game, they're releasing the game and selling it at Gen Con. Yeah. Which is very common for a lot of... 
uh, developers. Well, a lot of people go to these places specifically to pick it up, and they get discounts on it because it's like you have the trade price, and then there's no shipping, and mm-hmm. you're like one of the first ones there to pick up this game too. Like Wingspan, right? Wingspan. It's like everybody's waiting for Gen Con because they're probably going to have a lot of copies, hopefully, yeah. and it probably won't be too much. <clears throat> Disappointment is that that's they're not going to be ready by then. They're going to be ready uh, Essen in October, and they are going to be there, true to their word, with a demo copy. And uh, you can meet, uh, what's his name? Uh, Flo Dahan. Flo Dahan. Uh, he's going to be demoing the game for you. So I've signed up. It costs $0, which is nice. At least it's <laughs> not a fee You're like the rest of the game. You're not paying to have the game advertised to you. And they're, and they're going to take us through two rounds of the game. I really, I'm, I'm excited to see, <laughs> I, I need to, I got to know, is it identical? And you will know, you yeah. will be the first person to see this as far as Oh, well, we'll know right away because yeah. we've played a, a ton of Mega Civ. I but, wish they uh, could. There's yeah, so many opportunities here. They could have done so much, clean up the map. Like, it, it, I don't know. It's not, there's not <laughs> so much positivity in this episode. We're really um, disappointed with <sighs> a lot of things. Well, all right, so let me, I'll try to bring some positivity here. So uh, I've got two things in the dying minutes of the show. Um, First off in positivity, uh, legendary game Kalos. Uh, Again, if you go to the board game Geek, it's going to be up there. I don't Mm. know if it's above Castle of Burgundy. I think it might be. I'll check again. Mm. Uh, Getting a, I'm going to describe it as a remaster. The game has been out for a long time. Probably as long as Castle of Burgundy or somewhere around there and is another one of these, I'd say, genre-defining Euros. And you are moving your pawns around, and you're buying and building buildings, and you're using these buildings to get cubes and money, and people can use those buildings, but, ha, pay me. <laughs> and you're building a castle, and you're trying to get points. Kalos uh, uh, was mean because you had these two pieces that were moving around, which were, I forget, one of them was the bailiff, and maybe one's the sheriff. And you weren't allowed to move. Uh, there were some directional shenanigans, and you could bribe the bailiff to move around, and you could screw mm. with people. So uh, nice mix of a lot of different genres here. Getting a remaster called Kalos 1303, and it's a main appeal. Is supposedly it's going to be a streamlined, updated version. Uh, you could go to the Board Game Geek page on Kalos. I'm not sure if it's Kalos 1303 or Kalos. How do you Kalos. spell it? C-A-Y-L-U-S. Um, and you can see people fighting each other because nice. it's just, for a game that's as old as it'd be like saying Castle Burgundy uh, 2.0. I've updated and streamlined it. People's it's got a dedicated following. It's right. got a very dedicated following. Some people love Kayla. Some people hate it. Um, I'm pretty sure. I, I'm trying to remember if um, <laughs> show <laughs> fan of the show in the sense of we're fans of him. Uh, Clearclaw despises Kayla or not. Mm. I'm, he feels. There's someone I know that's fairly famous that despises the game. Anyway, that's going to be coming out shortly. I can't remember what quarter it is, but it's been announced. They have the the, the art of the box and the, the manual and things. And So there you go. If you're like Kalos, you haven't had a chance to hey. pick it up, you have the opportunity. The next one up is, and this one's kind of interesting, Kickstarter has changed one of their sort of rules for the website. And we talk about Kickstarter on the show a lot, sometimes positively, most of the time I think negatively. And this is something that will be interesting to see how it plays out because one of the rules is that you're no longer going to allow, be allowed to have 3D renders on your uh, page, specifically 3D renders 
that demonstrate functionality that doesn't exist. I'm just looking on this their their page right hmm. now. You cannot use imagery or video that is heavily suggestive future functionality. Use CGI or special effects to demonstrate functionality that doesn't exist. So they're trying to crack down on specifically. They're using these examples like um, inventions of sorts. That like mm. boy, the computer graphics doing this. This is what we're gonna do because yeah. I think Kickstarter has and this hasn't affected me as much because I don't really look at Kickstarter outside of literally making board games. But I think a lot of people back like devices mm-hmm. and super cooler or something. Yeah, something like that. And maybe people are starting to complain about um, product is not as product not as shown. Even though it's like I can't imagine anyone looking at Kale or Kalos Kickstarter. And and if something shows up that's not that, it's like you have yourself to blame. It's yeah. and blame the the maker. Maybe yeah, they're trying to take out some of the scammers. Yeah. Well, absolutely, cut down scammers and get rid of some of this stuff. Even though there's like plenty of scams they out there. They can print a three D model instead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just do something like that. But the main thing that's gonna I think be interesting about this is minis, miniature based games heavily rely on 3D models for their mm, miniatures yeah. when you're selling these board games. And if you know anything about Kickstarter and board games, the biggest Kickstarter games usually involve miniatures oh, yeah. in some sense. So it'll be curious to see how this will affect some of these projects moving forward in that mm, it might be difficult for me to sell my 300 miniatures when I can't, that I haven't made yet, but I've, yeah. got, I've got this lovely 3D render that might look like yeah, it. So It's going to look great. So we'll be, it'll be interesting to see how Kickstarter yeah. adapts or at least board game creators So they're cracking adapt. down a little bit. Cracking. That's not bad. No, but cracking. to be honest, I don't understand. There must be something that prompted this. Some, or maybe it's just a long time coming for these. I need to get a bottle of Kraken and another bottle of gin. <laughs> yeah, I had some Sailor Jerry's on the weekend and I was like, this oh. is pretty good. Uh, having a Kraken in a long time. Mm, love Kraken. Now we're talking about liquor. <laughs> Speaking of liquor, uh, no. Um, Hill, Hillside is up in two weeks. If you really want to go, uh, I'm sure CFRU, CFRU will be there. Um, is that confirmed? <laughs> as, as long as they get enough broadcasters. And, uh, and I'll be there. I've, uh, I've signed up to set up the water piping for the thing. So I'm going to go up next is, weekend. Is this with CFRU? No, with Hillside. <laughs> okay. And I'm going to uh, run some, I'm going to pull some hoses around the, uh, around the island. <laughs> and then if I want to, I can go check out the, the shows for free. So is this a weekend pass for you or just Saturday? Um, it's, I could camp there if I wanted. Really? Yeah, it's the whole weekend. That's Fif- not bad. I think Sam included, so I paid 50 bucks or something. So how long do you think uh, it will take for you to do this pipe business? I don't know. Uh, I'm on the water management crew now, and uh, I know that it's this weekend at some time. So obviously either Saturday or Sunday I'm going to head up there and we're going to get the infrastructure in place. Yeah. And then some of the people are going on Thursday and Friday night just to make sure everything's still okay. Now, Hillside is next weekend, correct? Yeah. No, no, it's two weekends from now. So two weekends. Next, this, oh, sorry, yeah. N- the weekend after the upcoming weekend. When is the event that you are hosting taking place? The same day. Actually, the Saturday. And that's much more important news. Thank you for reminding me. Uh, Pandemic survival qualifiers to the nationals, to the worlds, to any city in the pandemic map, if you win. Um, You can qualify. You 
dedicated <laughs> He's listener can you. qualify <laughs> uh, by coming to the boardroom at 3 p.m. on Saturday the 13th. And obviously you have to sign up beforehand because there's only eight slots. But currently there are, I'm not going to lie, seven slots available. <laughs> it's it's early. <laughs> It'll be fine. It, currently it, Mark's a shoe in <laughs> Is he playing with his wife? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, Pandemic, uh, this, this tournament is what Joel participated in, or maybe you forgot, uh, was it last year? Yep. And uh, finished what, in Montreal. And then where, where did it go on from there? Tuscany. Tuscany. That would have been interesting. Yeah. Do I need to know anything about Pandemic to enter this tournament? You should probably know how to play the base game, but it's the base game. I mean, it's pretty easy to learn. Uh, you're not going to win if you don't know how to play Pandemic, but maybe you'll still have fun. And there's prizes for everybody. So Now, are these prizes that came with the kit? Yeah. And what does it cost to enter? Uh, you won't pay anything to me, but you do have to play, pay cover at the boardroom. It's just basic cover? Yeah, $5. That's not bad to uh, enter the tournament. I'm surprised there's not like an extra yeah. fee on top of it. Well, to be fair, they paid uh, Z-Man Games $50 to get the kit, so they're not going to make any money off the fees. Yeah, which is odd that because in the past, uh, Z-Man hasn't charged for these, or at least last time, correct? Yeah, and they still don't charge in the States. They were just going to give it to me when they thought I was from the States, but I did say that I was from Guelph, Ontario in the first day. And then they passed me on and the, we got this weird, mm-hmm. I mean, Jack saw it and it's just, there's some kind of strange licensing slash distributing deal they've got with Asmodee in Canada where as anybody in Canada that wants to run an event has to pay. And that's probably why you see almost no events in Canada right now. But it's just so peculiar to me because we, at least my industry that I'm working in, when it comes to sponsoring events and stuff, you, if you are putting on an event as, so let's say I'm Z-Man or I'm um, Mr. Pandemic, Leacock or whatever, you, when you're putting on the event, you're advertising it. It's, mm-hmm. You are the one trying to get people to look at your stuff and remind, like, like hey, I exist. And they're new. They are always come out with new stuff and they're yeah. always... Pande- yeah, pan- there's always... Are you talking about new pandemics yeah. or new games from Asmodee? Who owns everyone? Well, apparently. both, but yeah, pan- new pandemics, right? It, it just seems to me that very suspicious that they, they charged you $50 a host a tournament when it's just advertising for their game and it, it's just all publicity for them. Yeah. And it, there's so many opportunities to hand out this stuff. Like, I know promotional materials aren't free, but that's part of doing business and that get like handing out catalogs simultaneously. You never yeah. know what people will end up being excited for. And it helps the store too, because they can also buy more products from the, your distributors. And it's one of these things, it all escalates. Brand just, recognition. Brand you're, recognition. You're handing out pandemic stuff to yeah. all the participants too. They're going to talk about this to their friends. They're going to talk about it on Android's dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> We're giving Z-Man publicity right now. Yeah, I don't know if it's a publicity <laughs> they want, but uh, I, like I said, I just don't think it, it. It's just I'd like to hear someone's explanation, and if it comes down to well, it's expensive. It's like I, I'm sorry, I don't care. Yeah. Because I guarantee it wasn't. Honestly. I guarantee it didn't cost them fifty bucks. Because if they can do it in the states, it didn't cost them fifty dollars in import fees to bring um, a box of those things north. Yeah, and charging fifty dollars isn't going to make up for the prizes that they're throwing out too, right? Yeah. I mean, they're they're spending money on this event. It's a, it's marketing and promotion budget. It's I'm sorry. A weird way to get money back. Um, it almost makes me think about, uh, makes me want to play Food Chain Magnet oh, again. I love Food Chain. And the expansion is coming out, I think, 
I don't know what, if it's at the same time as Roads and Boats reprint. So ice cream or something? The ketchup. Ketchup. But it's uh, they, and I thought they had brand new uh, milestones, but apparently they weren't finalized when I saw them because mm-hmm. I was looking at them and going, these are insane. People are going to destroy with these milestones because the original ones are pretty strong if you know what you're doing, but the new ones were, woo, woo, really think, good stuff. Do you think Food Chain is solved? No. No. It's a tough game, man. It's, it's so good. It's, yeah, I love Food Chain. Have we talked about, I don't know. It's been a yeah, bit. We, we haven't played it in a while, but it's, yeah. We need to get another big game going. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I really want to play it now. Anyway, I'm Jack. Joel. <laughs> Thanks for listening.